Welcome to another edition of the Engineering Leadership Podcast, where we bring together successful C-suite executives to explore their stories at the intersection of leadership and engineering. We believe leaders are built, not born. And by nailing the constants, we can build strong, engineering-focused leaders who are prepared for future success. Each interview was led by Doug Hawk, chemical engineer, business executive, and the creator of Engineering Leadership. I'm Ben Fanning. Let's get started. Welcome back. Today, we have Nat Natarajan, who is EVP and Chief Product and Technology Officer for Ancestry.com, which is the world's largest online family history resource. He strongly believes that love has a meaningful context in the leadership arena. And Nat is an industrial engineer, of course, from Clemson, and he chose the constant of love. Here are three big ideas from today's episode. The only thing that will get you through leadership challenges is love for people and passion for your craft. Number two, passion and love are synonymous. And three, to be a manager and a leader, you need to think of others. Enjoy the episode. I'm Doug Hawk, your host of Engineering Leadership. We've got Matt Natarjan with us today. He's the EVP and Chief Product and Technology Officer for Ancestry.com. He is a he obtained his master's in industrial engineering from Clemson. So that's his tie to Clemson. We'll talk about that a good bit and how it inspired some of his work and uh, and set him on his path. And and that was kind enough of all the 17 constants in our engineering leadership framework. The one that probably had the most sort of trepidation for me in terms of getting someone to tackle it was love. Um, something that we don't often think about in engineering terms. And uh, but something that I often refer to as the the most underused human superpower out there. And uh, certainly something that I think when it comes to leadership uh, is a core element of 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 leading people and uh, and doing it in the right way with the right results. So so, Nat, thanks for joining us. And um, I just want to start right there. You know, why love? Why start there of 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 your experiences how has that shaped you as a leader and, and the impact you've had on the folks that you're leading? Thank you, Doug. I'm, I'm super excited to have this conversation with you and, and the rest of the engineering students at, uh, I'm at Clemson. So leadership, what is leadership? And, and I define it as two things. Um, it's bending the line. So if there's a line, which is straight, uh, um, the job of a manager is to make sure that the line does not deviate from that, uh, I mean, from that, from the trajectory and the job of a leader is to bend the curve bend the curve into a future which is uncertain and different than what it was before and secondly i i define leadership as inspiring people to a future vision of technology of uh, you know a state of company state of community that's that is leadership how do you inspire people to do that and i found that uh, leadership is tough it's hard it is very rewarding, but it is challenging. And the only thing which gets you over these challenges is to focus on love, love of people. You cannot go far without people. A single individual has certain limitations, but a group of people have almost no limitations. So how do you inspire them? And love is a, is a key way of inspiring them. Secondly, passion for your craft. 
and, and passion and love are synonymous because you love something that you do and you wake up every day and you're excited about it. So I think love is, is, an, incredible, uh, is an incredible aspect of it. And third is about mission-driven. You, do you love your mission? Do you love what you're doing? Do you, you love the values? You wake up every day and you're like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get here. So love is such an integral part of leadership, which is why I chose it. People don't, you know, it, it, it may seem mushy and seem a little uncomfortable to talk about, but every challenge that I've had in my career, I've found that if I have an attitude, a perspective of love towards the individual, towards the human being, towards the team, I'm able to get to a better outcome. And I'm able to do a lot more as a result of it. And I think that's, that's a great tee up and a lot there to work with. I think, you know, one of the things that um, I think as engineers, particularly young engineers, we really want to help them with is, you know, is that shift from data, things, technical skills to making sure that they realize, you know, the people around you, the people below you, the people above you, particularly if you're going to expand that curve of leadership and, and have, have the bigger impact, like you said, right? Like it's, you know, when, and for me, it was a, it was a personally, you know, really pivotal moment of making that realization of, okay, this is as far as I can go as an individual mm-hmm. and being confronted with a, a situation where it's like, no matter how hard I work, no matter how talented I might be, you know, if I can't rally a group of folks to, and, you know, tackle this challenge together. And like you said, in an inspired way that is really excited about solving the problem, then we will fail. Yeah. Was there a moment in your career where, you know, as a young engineer, you know, obviously had great skills coming out of Clemson, had some great professors and, and mentors. And, you know, and, and as you know, when we were younger, it's just that tendency to say, I can, I got it. I can figure it out. And where you hit the wall and said, no, I, I, it's really about the folks around me. I'll, I'll share two two stories. Uh, one was I was a uh, I was an engineer at uh, Travelocity, and you know, building everything, writing software every day, trying to figure out how you get people to adopt online travel. This is 1996. We were the first uh, so travel company out there. Today, it's common. Um, and then I was doing a great job on the technical side of it. I was, you know, getting my projects done on time. I was taking on more responsibilities. And then there was a manager job that opened up. So I went to my CTO, my chief technology officer, Mamie, Mamie Jones, and I said, Mamie, I think I'm ready. I want the job. And uh, Mamie put me through the process. And then she said, and she didn't give me the job. So I was really disappointed. I'm like, I don't understand. I'm the most qualified candidate out there, right? I just didn't understand. And, and I sat down with Mamie and I said, Mamie, I just don't understand. She said, Matt, it's not about you. It's about the people. And you're, you're not ready. You, you're you're too, thinking about yourself and your skills. And to be a manager and a leader, you need to think about others. And she eventually promoted me to a manager and a director. But that lesson, that hard lesson that I had to go through was really uh, transformative in my leadership experience. Second experience, and I'll share this with you, was, uh, you know, I was at PayPal and they asked me to go uh, and go to India and be a general manager of our site in India. And I've, I've never worked in India, even though I'm from there. The, I, the largest team I'd managed was, I don't know, 400 people, and now I had 3,000 people. And I was the um, senior most executive in that building. So every day I'd, I'd, I'd walk into the building and, and have the weight of 3,000 people on my shoulders. I've never done this before. 
And I got there in a situation where we had replaced the person before me. And he had started that center. He was almost treated as God in that center. So in a sense, I was replacing the God of that center. And people resented that. Finally, I was from San Jose, from, from the United States, from headquarters, coming to tell them what to do. And they, no one likes that. Yeah, you're from headquarters and you're here to help, right? <laughs> and I'm here to help. So like, I, who, who's this guy? We don't want like this guy. Even when they just I mean, announced my name. So it was a hostile situation from my, from my perspective. And uh, I had to turn this around. And I found that the only skill I had to use was show genuine caring and love for the people around me. It wasn't my technical skill, wasn't my domain experience, not what I had accomplished at PayPal. It was care for the human beings around you. And if you do that genuinely, right, in a matter of three months, I got people to turn around. I don't think any program, anything that I would have done or more money I would have given them would have changed it around. And I still carry the pen around with me. When I left, finally, a year after that, they gave me a Mont Blanc pen with my name on it and said, Nat, I think you should stay. <laughs> so it's one of my most treasured, uh, you know, gifts because it was a it was a learning moment for me, really. Yeah. No, I think it's I think it's the, the the earlier we can we can get engineers to think about that and and realize that, um, and you know, one of the reasons we we dive into these topics, in particular around engineering leadership, is that. You know, look, we are engineers and we've been trained with very specific skills. They're focused on, you know, applying those skills and those tool sets to solving problems. And and again, hopefully, well, and too many times, I think, you know, being charged with coming up with the answer and having to be that person in the room with the answer versus saying, well, you know, it's not about me and my answer. It's about, you know, getting the group there, building consensus, you know, inspiring the mission. Um, and you know, and that's, it's the old saying, you know, no one will care about what you're trying to do until they know you care about them. Right. So yeah. it's, uh, you know, I think that's, that's where love plays such an important role. And, um, you know, I, we, I thought about calling it several other things and then I thought, you know, no, it's really, it really is love. It's, and like you said, it, it's, it's loving the mission. It's loving the work. Um, cause when you do, you never have to work again. Um, and, but most importantly, it is, it is really caring and loving the people around you. And yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, something that you just said, just sparked a thought in me. One of the questions you have is what are the most important lessons you've learned as a leader? So I, I, I just, um, it's actually very scientific and, and, and it is, um, you know, based in, in continuous learning. As engineers, you're you're taught to be learn you uh, learn everything that you know. So knowledge is your uh, is your craft, right? So whatever right. you do, that's chemical engineering or it's industrial engineering, mechanical, computer science, you're, uh, you're you're learning about the craft, and and you get really good at the craft, and 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 you do well. Leadership is is about learn it all, and you're learning it till you die. You're learning every day. So the 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 aspect of I'm better today than I was yesterday, and I'll be better tomorrow than I'm today. Those leaders who have that attitude through their entire career, their entire lives, are the ones I've seen to be the most successful. Yeah. And the leaders who are more of a know-it-all get to a certain point where they cannot advance anymore in their mission, their craft, their passion, because they get to that ceiling. 
But learn it all leaders have absolutely no ceiling. They can do anything they want and they set their hearts and minds to. No, it's true. I, you know, I was uh, chatting with Eric earlier and we, we, we talked about that very thing of, and I told him, I said, most of the, really all of the major big mistakes I've ever made were all about a moment in time where I thought I knew the answer and had it yeah. figured out. Right. And that's really where you better get concerned about being way over your skis. You know, it's not when you know you're over your skis, those are fine. It's when you don't know that really bad things happen. Right. Both from an you know, engineering standpoint, from a leadership standpoint, from a personal home life, family standpoint. Right. It's just, that's the most dangerous situation I think people can put it, get themselves in. You said something earlier about, you know, walking into that building, you know, feeling the, the weight and the responsibility and accountability for those 3000 folks. Um, and that's, you know, do you think my impression of, of love and, and the other part of it is, is the love you get back. Right. So the only way you, you, the only way I know to deal with that kind of pressure. And even in my current assignment here, I've got about 1400 folks scattered all over, you know, North America and, you know, making it through the tough spots. And we've had some, you know, I've had some bad days at work where, you know, we've had a, uh, we were speaking in our last session, you know, I had a fatality in 2018 that was, you know, the most horrible day at work I can imagine because, mm -hmm. you know, none of us want to go through that. Um, but that's where, that's, I think the, the other part of love, right. Is so how much of, how much of getting through that weight and dealing with those 3000 folks, right. Was, was what you got back and how they helped you deal. Cause like you said earlier, most days as a leader, there's more that goes wrong than right. You know, it's a, um, so you're right. You're, you're, you're absolutely right. I think if you ask me today, what are my biggest accomplishments um, or not even accomplishments. It is what is my moments of joy. And it is when I get a call from, you know, someone who's to work for me at PayPal. And now he's a, he's a CIO or a CTO of a, you know, a company and he's contemplating his next job or Lu Hua who, you know, used to work for me at eBay and, and he's now a successful serial entrepreneur in China. And, uh, you know, he's so telling me about his next venture. Um, those are the moments where I get the most joy from. And I think, you know, seeing and, and, and my goal is how do I create environments where, where, where people can, can have the best careers of their lives, the best, you know, how can they accomplish the most they can in their lives? And as they do that, that love reflects back on me. It, it comes back to me, but I get joy in that. So when I create my, my roles and my teams and, Yes, we have, you know, objectives, we have goals, we have, right? But underlying, I'm trying to put together teams and putting people together so that they can do the best jobs of their lives. And that gives me the most joy as they become successful. Yeah, and I think joy is the perfect word for that. I mean, it, um, you know, I tell people it's not about, and I think too often, you know, it's amazing to me how much time folks can spend on, you know, the, the things that upset them or the, and, and especially in today's world with, with the runaway social media and so much negativity and people, I'm always stunned at how much energy and time people will put into, you know, what's wrong or things that upset them. And then they don't, they spend very little time reflecting on well, when were you, when's the last time you, and I don't mean like satisfied or happy, 
But I do think joy is the perfect word. When were you just overjoyed with the situation and the outcome and the experience? You know, I tell people you had the window down, radio up, singing along at the top of your voice, and you just had that elevated, joyous, you know, place that you were in. How much time have you spent thinking about how'd you get there? And what got you there? And why did you end up there versus all those other times that, you know, you don't, you aren't there every day. Um, Because if you can find that and decipher it and really like you just articulated so well, understand where, what does drive the joy in your life? um, You know, then that is, it's, it's like you said earlier, the love associated with that and getting to those moments if you can focus on that and chase that, you never have to work again. That's right. You'll, you'll, you'll do plenty of stuff. You'll, you'll put in plenty of hours and you'll never notice. Right. Um, did you, would you, does that resonate like that? Just, I, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll share a story as to what my inspiration was for leadership and, and uh, it, it so aligns with what you're saying. So my dad, um, he, he, he was in the, uh, Indian Army, and he was there for 40 years. He sort of retired as a three-star general. So when he retired, he had more than, I don't know, 200,000 people reporting to him at some point. And uh, he's a very atypical general. Um, growing up, he wasn't you know, into a lot of physical training or waking up at four, four o'clock in the morning, doing it. He wasn't he was very, very atypical, right? Right. He enjoyed his uh, enjoyed you know sleeping in on Sundays, um, but his joy in life was always helping people. And he's retired almost 15 years now, 15, 16 years um, since he retired. People still call him for advice. People call him because they have some challenge going on in 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 the military somewhere, and uh, he's known as someone who always. Uh, looks at how do I help you, no matter what. If you if you pick up the phone and you call me, my job is to help you in, in whatever way I can. And I think he's a healthy 77-year-old today, primarily because of, of the calls he gets today after he retired. And uh, so that focus on, you know, helping people and the joy he got from it was was sort of an inspiration for me. Um, and and I discovered that that same passion in myself. And I said, that's what really gets me going. There are means to the end and, and, you know, trying to focus on jobs and careers and things like that. But ultimately, the joy that I get from helping people is, is what keeps me in leadership. Because like you said, Doug, leadership is difficult. It's tough. And, and there are certain times in your life you're like, okay, well, if I had, you know, people joke about it all the time. If I win the lottery, would I still do this job? Right. And the answer is, as long as I'm helping people, I, absolutely, I would. One of the things I wanted to ask you about, and particularly with the love being our topic today, too, is, you know, I think one of the things that that engineers in particular can struggle with at times is, you know, lowering the barriers, being vulnerable, getting to that level of authenticity and, and sort of, you know, unvarnished, you know, unencumbered human connection, right? Like, um, what advice would you give the, you know, the young folks that we're speaking to really on getting past their own, you know, sort of nervousness about that or reluctance or, 
you know, and some of it's, I think, you know, not wanting to be wrong about things. So there's those aspects of, you know, as the engineer in a room, you're supposed to have the answer and know how to figure it out. And, you know, so some of it's related to that. And some of it's just purely personal, right? It's just trying to be comfortable throwing yourself out there and realizing that, yeah, just like in all things associated with love, you'll get hurt. But it's so worth it. You know, um, so um, one of one of my other leaders who, who taught me about vulnerability as, as being probably one of the biggest skills a leader can have was John Donahoe, who he, he was the CEO of eBay, and now he's the CEO of Nike. And John, um, larger than life leader, and, and he always had three things that he's working on to improve himself. Anybody in the, in, in, in the organization could ask him, hey, uh, John, what are you working on? And, and he would pull out his list from his pocket and say, these are three things that I've got feedback on and I'm working on it. And what he did by, by doing that was it's okay not to have all the answers. And, and it's okay. And, and what that does and what that, that did for him and, and is doing for me today is you get more people who want to help you. You engender, you know, people genuine interest in saying, "Hey, I, I, I see that he or she is a human being, and every human being has some challenges. And how can I help that human being be more successful?" And that that genuine connection forms. But if you're always seen as the know-it-all, and I'm smarter than you, then that engenders distance. No one wants to get close to you because they're afraid that they are not as good as you or they may not be as good as you. So they don't want to share their vulnerable side. And that creates challenges in accomplishing things together. So the more vulnerable you are, and the first time is difficult because as, as, as especially as engineers, you're very analytical, you want to get the right answer, you want to sweat, burn the midnight oil to get to the right outcome. So you want to have all the answers when you go there. So when you have your first situation, like you said, when you're not used to this, you've got to get... You, comfortable being uncomfortable. And like exercise, it's only those muscles which hurt which are getting stronger. So leadership is the same way. If you're not feeling uncomfortable every day, right, or on a regular basis, that means you're comfortable and you're not learning. So vulnerability is a learned thing. So like you said, leaders are not born, they're made. And this is one of those things which makes you stronger if you exercise it sooner in your career. And I think recognizing... Um that as a leader, the burden is you got to go first, right? Like you've got to, you know, you've got to be the one that lowers those barriers, expose yourself, you know, because again, that's, that's the burden of leadership is being comfortable with that. Um, but that's also the reward of leadership because in, and again, like we talked about with, with, you know, loving what you do and loving the people you're with that, which comes back is so many more times multiplied. Mm -hmm. right? And um, absolutely. But I do think it's, you know, one of the lessons we try to teach is, you know, um, and this gets into some of the, a couple of the other constants as well, and particularly with trust, right? Like, you know, the, the paradox of trust is, you know, how do you, how do you build it with people you've never met before and people you don't know? And, you know, I tell folks, well, you, you've got to start by giving them the benefit of the doubt yeah. and going first and assuming best intentions. Will you get hurt? Yes. But 95, 99% of the time, you're going to build trust and, and, and that can lead to love and, and inspiration. Um, and that's, that's the core and the heart of leadership. 
right? So it's, um, so I just, you know, super excited about your willingness to talk about those topics today. I did want to, I did want to get into ancestry.com just a little, your current assignment. Yep. And because there's, I, I think you said earlier, there couldn't be a more human connected technology that you've ever seen. But just tell us, tell us a little bit about like that mission, um, how excited you are to do that kind of work now with, with again, everything you've learned about leadership along the way. It's a, I mean, I'm very humbled that I have this uh, sort of responsibility and this opportunity now. And uh, in these times when, you know, people are striving to point out differences more than similarity across the world, I see one of the missions we have at Ancestry is to tell people how much more connected we are as a human species than we are separate. So uh, we, have, we have 18 million DNA samples, the, so the largest in the world, and we see so many sort of connections through that. We see more people who are connected to our, to our family trees. We have uh, close to, uh, I'm trying to figure out the number, about 100, mil, 100 plus million family trees on our site, and we see so many different, uh, so different connections. And, and we discovered a lot more people are, are, I mean, are the same. So the mission here was really, how do you connect everybody on the planet, right? If, if, you, if you think about it, we're all, you know, part of the same human species, but we've lost sight of that over a period of time through, you know, different, you know, human divides, if you will, you know, countries yeah. being so some of them. And the mission is to make that easier to do. So specifically, what are we doing? You know, the last 30 years, we've been digitizing records. So you can find some pretty interesting, you know, information about your, uh, your family. And I'll give you another story, which will, uh, which will inspire you. Recently, uh, there, was a, there was a guy who uh, worked with us and he was, a, he was a partner of ours. He found that his grandmother immigrated in the 1800s from Russia to the United States. And he found uh, the ship manifest with her name on it. That was interesting. It was cool trying to have it. Right. But, the more, but the more interesting thing was he found that she had listed herself as a male because in, in those times, females of that age couldn't go on that ship. So that was a pretty inspiring story. And then like, now the rest of his family are talking about it at Thanksgiving and, you know, different uh, from occasions to, through the year. And it took a lot of effort for him to get to that nugget of, you know, discovery or story about his, uh, his family. And what we're doing is how do you make that easy? So if you're not a genealogist and that's not your hobby, how do you serve up these stories with all the records we have and surface them to you? And I'll give you an example of what we did. Uh, so we've had this newspapers.com as largest, you know, 500 million online newspapers. Uh, and we've had this uh, record collection since 2012. And uh, so two things happened. One, my engineers put all the data in the cloud two or three years back, and we started using machine learning, artificial intelligence to go mine that. And we found that the richest source of family relationships was in obituaries. So they were able to go and, and mine not from the 500 million newspapers obituaries. So how do you go and search for them using computer vision? How do you figure out, you know, what are the relationships, son of, father of, mother of, et cetera, and create, you know, personal discoveries for our subscribers. And within a matter of three months, it, it so was our largest record collection wow. uh, of the 27 billion records that we have. And it created really recent discoveries for people that they really I mean, appreciate. So they're not looking for this. So we served them discoveries based on what, you know, trees that they had so created or, you know, searches they were doing. 
And we want to do that more and more because people are after stories, right? right? Creating a tree is a means to an end. Finding records is a means to an end. So how do we skip past that and then give them that I mean, kind of personal discovery and personal story? So that's what we are, we are after. And I'll, and I'll tell you a DNA story and I'll stop. So I used to go to San Diego a lot and I'd use the same you know, car service to pick me from the airport, take me to the office and back. And we became good friends over three or four years. And then, uh, so the gentleman was telling me, he says, Nat, you won't believe this. My mom is 70 years old and she discovered that she was adopted last year. So he says, I don't know where we come from. So they took an ancestry DNA test. And through that, they were able to find their, uh, uh, their uh, sort of heritage, their uh, I mean, ethnicity, and also connected them with first and second cousins that they did not know about. Amazing. So there's... So, so that's what gives me joy about the work that we are doing as a team. We are actually creating personal discoveries which are meaningful to people. Absolutely. And I think, you know, you, you, you said the word story in there several times. And I think and we've talked about this a few times. Um, you know, do you think that's a, a skill that, you know, is in, in a, in a value and sort of sort of element that engineers sometimes miss in the data, right? Like, you know, I, I get the opposite where sometimes I get the story and no data, which is a different kind of problem. But, um, you know, it is how we, it's a big part of how we learn. It's a big part of emo evoking emotions in humans. And, and it's, it is, you know, we've been telling stories since we were sitting in that cave, right? Um, such an, just such a fundamental capability and skill set that I think, you know, as young engineers and certainly as leaders, you know, we have to be, you have to work at being good at, right? And recognizing that, man, and that's, you know, and that's where love often comes in, right? Like how many fabulous love stories have survived the, the yeah. you know, all the thousands of years of history that we still know, right? And that are still part of our literature. They're still part of our history. Um, you know, many of those, if you look at those as a percent of like our human, you know, sort of legacy, how many are love stories? A lot of them, right? Like, because they're so meaningful to people, so impactful, and and that's what you know gets people's passion and and inspiration aligned with you know achieving the objectives that you know we do have to get done, right? Like, it is we do have to get the work done. We've got to achieve the objectives. You know, we got to we, we we have to get it done and produce the result. But you know, if we miss the why behind that, then you know, it's sort of really missing the point, right? You're absolutely right. I think you know. Um, so if you if you read the uh, Homo Sapiens by Yuval Nahari, I've not read it yet, but I, I was going to ask you about books in just a moment. So let's go there. It's a it's an amazing um, history of of uh, the human species, and it talks about stories being being a, a evolutionary difference between us and you know thousands of years back we, we were no different than the sheep or the goat, and and how did the human beings or or these uh, uh, you know 2,000 plus years become the dominant force on this planet and telling stories is one of them. So why is it important, uh, I mean, as a leader, to, um, to your point is, if you believe that leadership is about inspiring people for a, for a future, that's the way of connecting. So stories are the way of you connecting the, 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 uh, today to the future that you see. And, and, and we think that way. So if you can evoke a story from the heart, 
people latch on to it and, and they weren't willing to go on that mission with you. If you think about you know, the, the famous quotes uh, JFK talked about going to the moon, it wasn't about you know, just going to the moon or, or these are the number of engineers I need in NASA, or this is the kind of rocket I need. It's about, uh, can we make this a human achievement? And not only getting to the moon, but bringing, the, so bringing them back. So that, well, that story inspired, you know, yeah. amazing human achievement. Right. And, and I think that's the, that's the power stories have. So as a leader, you have to figure out how to inspire people. And the most effective way is if it comes from the heart and it connects to a story which inspires, right? Yeah. Well, it's you a, know, it makes you so, thing so of, uh, you know, they might not remember what you said. Yeah. They might not remember, you know, when or how you said it. They will always remember how you made them feel. Yep, my Angelo. Yeah, and it's like it's such it's a it's a never heard a better quote or a more accurate quote in terms of you know when you're talking about leadership and engaging you know the people around you and um and it gets into a lot of areas where I you know when we're when we're doing coaching of of you know young managers in particular and it's you know they they're in that first sort of supervisory assignment and they. You know, they want to they want to have all the answers and they want to be right. And, they you know, they want to they want their team to know that they're on top of it. And and, uh, you know, it's uh, always have to get them to slow down just a little bit and say, hey, you know, particularly when you're delivering tough news. Right. Like that's that's the other thing. I the other place I think, you know, love really plays an important role is, you know, not everything goes well. Not every job is done right. Not every you know, I mean, and we, we've got to. You know, and you know, part of being a leader is you, you've got to, you know, you have accountability, and you got to impart accountability, and and you know, again, hold people responsible for getting things done, and you do have to deliver tough news a lot of times. And I think that's the other thing I've found is that's where you know that love and a connection and a personal sense of caring is is probably the most important, right? Because otherwise, they won't hear the feedback, right? They won't. They won't be able to internalize it. They won't be able to, to get better from it. And that coaching moment and the, you know, the lessons learned that, that you're trying to impart, you know, don't penetrate, right? Because if they don't come from a spirit of caring about the person and, and having that, you know, love for the work that you're trying to translate for them, um, it just bounces right off, right? So that's, that's the other thing. I just, you know, it's... Um, it's it's rewarding on the best days, but it's it's essential on the bad days. Absolutely, I think you know your uh, human empathy, and if you cannot find a way to empathize with people, they won't hear your message. So much about communication is is about that. It's not about you talking about what you want to communicate. It's about do you understand your audience? Do you understand their feelings? Do you understand where they are? And and uh, that is that is crucial. I mean, in fact. Uh, you know, as a book to recommend, especially to engineers, it is uh, uh, the Emotional Quotient or uh, EQ. Uh, I, I don't know if you if you read that book. That's a that's a classic of mine because it sort of opened my eyes on on how much the human connectedness makes a difference in the message you want to convey. And as engineers, you want to convey the data, right? Because right. you have complete control over that and you have mastery over that. But I think you, if you miss the EQ part of it, it's hard to get that message across. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I like that one. Um, I like a lot of Daniel Goldman's work is really yeah. amazing work. 
um, that one. And I think, you know, the, um, I, I don't know if you've had, I don't know if you've ever read Carol Dweck's original work on mindset. You know, no, that no, mindset. I don't take that down. This is my learning of the day. Yeah, it's, uh, the book title is called Mindset. The author is Carol Dweck. She's a professor out, she's somewhere on the West Coast, I forget what school, um, and, a, and a practicing psychologist. She, the most important thing I got out of that one was the whole first half of the book is, is you know, talking about educating kids and children. And, partic- and I started reading it because when I had very, very, when I first had children, I was like, you know, I, I want to get good at this dad thing. And um, I had no reason to believe I would just naturally be good at it because like everything takes work, right? Yeah. Build it. And um, yeah, her work in that area is amazing. It's, it is, you know, a big sort of seminal foundational part of, of, of the engineering leadership framework, right? Is making sure that, you know, people understand this is, you know, it's built, not born, right? Like this, you can do this. Um, And if you have that learning mindset that says, you know, you're open, you're always questioning, and you're never having, you know, you don't go in these situations with what she calls a fixed mindset saying, okay, well, it is what it is, or I was born with this, or this is all I get, or, you know, never that. Right. And, um, and one of my favorite quotes in there is like the worst thing you could ever tell a kid is that they're a natural, hmm. right? Cause you know, you might think that's a great compliment, but it's dooming them. Right. Cause then they're afraid to fail. They're afraid to stretch. They're fa- like, well, if I'm so, if I'm, sp- if I'm a natural and I'm good at this, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to push it to the edge and then see where I fail. Right. Because then I'm, you know, and I, and since I'm just a natural and I'm not actually a product of my effort and my development and my learning, you know, and it's just so fundamental to, to, you know, I think raising good kids, but also trying to, trying to be better leaders, you know, as we mm-hmm. go about our, our craft. Um, what, I know we're running up against our time. We could probably talk for hours. Um, I can't thank you enough, Nat, for doing this. I would tell you that we, um, um, as we, as we put these materials together, you know, this will, we want to put, we're trying to use it in multi-channel, right? So I think one of the opportunities for us, um, you mentioned Anand, we want to go back to him and say, Hey, what do you think? So we're, we're going to do five of these. We're going to have the team, you know, put them into, to deliverable content that's, you know, consumable and polished, um, you know, all in the framework of, of what we hope becomes, if not a textbook, which I think would be fantastic because it's leadership's such a tough thing to, you know, can you create a textbook on it? Right. It's when I, and I think we can, I think, you know, not all elements of leadership, but I think for these constants with great experience and, and wisdom from leaders like yourself, you know, it gives us a shot at sort of taking what is this, you know, esoteric, you know, magical topic that everyone thinks is, you know, and too many people think, well, there's a born leader or you're not, right? And and that's really our mission is to say, no, that's not what it's about. We can, this is a craft, you can build it. It's a choice you have to make. It is hard work, um, but it's accessible. And that's what we're trying to do here is break down these topics into accessible materials that the students and kids can learn from and, and, you know, again, get educated and exposed to along, along with their technical education. Right. Um, so that's our hope. And uh, I know you, you, you uh, mentioned him as one of your, your, you know, inspirations coming out of Clemson. So know that he'll, he'll see this and, and we're, we're going back to him. And this was, you know, 
part of this came out of conversations I had with, with him. I don't know, Chris, what was that? Probably five or six years ago. Um, but now all becoming possible because of the, you know, people, it's just easier to, to get video now. It's easier to create content. Um, and I would say as we, as we, as we create the written material that will accompany all this, welcome your participation as little or as much as you want to give and be involved. Um, you know, we'll, we'll go so far as to, you know, write a chapter on this leveraging, you know, what we just discussed and talked about today. Um, also happy for you to have you write that and, and work with us through it, but we're just trying to create a framework to make it, you know, a little easier to get all that done. Right. And, uh-huh. and, you know, a lot of this started for, and I talked to, I think every, most everyone else I've talked to on these, on these topics so far, you know, a lot of this came out of our own efforts to want to try to write some of this stuff down for our own children and, and, you know, sort of get it in a form. So we just, you know, could share with them at, at points throughout their life as well. So. so no, that's no, Doug. And, and, you know, one, I just leave you with a suggestion. So I've had the privilege, I don't know, for the last 10, 10 plus years of uh, having a lot of interns that I speak to every year. So I mean, interns we hire, and uh, they're all my my son's age. They actually listen to me. My sons don't. <laughs> so uh, and 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 it's so interesting. The first couple of times after I did it, the feedback I got was that the the only part of your talk which was interesting was 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 when you talked about your challenges, not about your successes. Because when you walk into a room, I think people look at your background and, and they think that you've only seen success in life, and that is absolutely not true, right? All of us have had disappointments, failures. And we've had a ch- we we found ways to get up, and and especially in this um, socially driven world where everything is you know bits and 140 characters or less, I think having stories about where you failed and what that failure taught you seems to resonate with this generation a lot more than hey let me tell you the three jobs I had and how I got the next one and how I moved up the ladder. Engineering Leadership is a nonprofit organization dedicated to helping engineers enhance their leadership skills. You can download resources to accelerate your leadership skills by going to www.engineering-leadership.com.